0: You are listening to Zeal for Your House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's d w m u r r dot Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcasting. Well, good evening. Welcome uh, yet again. Thank you for joining us. This is David Murray, and I'm joined with, joined with Dorothy Carruthers here on Blog Talk Radio. This is Zeal for Your House. Dorothy, good evening. How are you? I'm do, I'm doing well. I'm doing, very blessed. I How know it's are you a doing? Bit, uh, later, guys, than we're normally having a broadcast. But I know that the majority of us uh, tune in after the fact, so hopefully this isn't this isn't uh, too much of a departure for those that are listening live. We apologize for the break in schedule, but I did not want to miss this Friday, and um, <clears throat> so we had to shuffle some things around. So for those that are joining or are going to be listening shortly after, we we have this you know archived. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We're talking deeper communion. I think this is part four in our series. We're talking about yielding our soul. And, guys, we've been talking about everything the Lord has laid on my heart for this particular season. As Christ's return gets closer and closer, um, there is a great end times harvest coming. And the end times harvest is going to take place as the message, the Great Commission is going to begin being brought forth in the United States through a body of believers that are flowing in great intimacy and power with the Lord. If we look at other parts of the world right now, there are revivals taking place in the body of Christ. There is purification where persecution has increased. It has created such a purified body in much of these heavily heavily persecuted countries that there are great many, many hundreds of thousands of people coming to Christ That hasn't hit yet here in the United States. Uh, Some of the reason why that is, guys, is because much of the body of Christ is just scared. We're scared, and we don't really have a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ for his church. We don't really have a revelation of who we are as new covenant children that have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so the remedy for that fear is teaching the truth, teaching the word of God, teaching who we are as children who've been redeemed. And the more that we understand how to access what has been given to us freely through the blood of Jesus Christ, the greater our awareness of the spirit realm grows, the greater our awareness that we are loved grows, the greater our awareness um, grows in, in who we are as, as father's children. And I'll give you an example. And, and um, again, whenever we talk about something, guys, Our self-worth comes from the gift of righteousness that Jesus gave us. It is a gift. I think it's Isaiah 61. Mm, uh, I'm mixing it up. Anyway, the scriptures, the prophecies talk about when the new covenant would come, when the Holy Spirit would come inside of us, that God would clothe us in robes of righteousness and garments of salvation. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, Colossians 1.21, I mean, I cite them all the time. You guys know them. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Hebrews 10.10, says we've been made holy and blameless. It is nothing that we did to, do, to earn that. It is a gift where we accepted the righteousness of Christ um, was given to us. He paid for the, the sin, the consequences of sin that we deserved. Because of that, we are seen as holy and blameless, and the love that Father God always had for his creation now lives inside of the person who accepted Jesus. So we have to understand, and this is part of yielding our thinking, our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our belief system. What we have to understand is God loves his creation. He loved his creation so much, he poured out all of the wrath of sin on Jesus. And that's understanding the new covenant. There's not a lot of teaching going on in a lot of circles of the church. We don't really want to talk about it because for many Christians, sadly, we'd rather believe and live in a lie than accept we are unconditionally loved. Because for many of us in the church, we are more comforted by trying to earn his love and approval. Because we've been so programmed by Satan to believe a lie that it's more comforting trying to earn his love and approval. And it's just, it's simply a lie. The new covenant is the Holy Spirit lives inside of us because we have been made holy. We are now capable of housing the manifest presence of God because we've been declared righteous, right? Jesus says, how can Satan, uh, Belial, and, and the Holy Spirit have one to do with the other? The Holy Spirit only can live inside our spirit, man, because we have been redeemed. So, what does this have to do with building our soul? Guys, the bottom line, and this understanding the ailments, the sickness, the, the the bondage that the body of Christ is in, by and large, in the United States in this generation, and extends out, out of this nation, but it's really a lot to do with the body of Christ in this generation, this time, is that what is going forth, the lopsided teaching. Um, that's going forth is we're not teaching identity and understanding our citizenship in heaven. We're teaching about the Lord's return and wrath. And if we don't understand that God's judgment is meant to bring us to repentance, it's meant to increase intimacy. We're going to have a very twisted view on who our father is. If we don't understand that he loved us before we were ever born, that if he loved us and and set forth the rescue plan, the salvation plan, the reconciliation plan um, in the midst of his creation that turned away from him, if we don't accept that truth, we're going to have a very perverted, darkened, fearful view of who God is. And uh, a lot of the confusion that's taken place in the body of Christ in this hour is because we're not focused on intimacy. We're focused on wrath. And I want to share with you a word, guys. Uh, it's the word is called propitiation. It's Strong's twenty-four thirty-four. It's heli- helasmos. If Greek scholars out there, I'm probably saying that a little bit off. Helasmos. Um, the word means propitiation. 325, 1 John two 1 John four ten, discuss that Jesus was made the propitiation. Of our sins. Now, I would wager to say that we haven't heard a teaching too long on the word propitiation. Um, and that's a shame. Because the word propitiation means that the atoning sacrifice of anger and wrath has been completely satisfied. I'm going to say it again. The word propitiation means that the atoning sacrifice. The needed sacrifice, the penalty for transgression, the legal requirements for justice, for wrath that is to take place on sin has been 100% satisfied. That is scripture, guys. That is the Greek word propitiation. The scriptures say Jesus was the propitiation of our sins. Jesus took all of the wrath of all mankind on himself so that God's creation can come back to him and receive intimate fellowship. That is the heart of Father. It began in the garden thousands of years ago, long before you and I were ever born, long before the Mosaic Covenant, the Davidic, Noahic, Abrahamic, Adamic, It started back in the garden. It was the promise given to Eve. God's heart, guys, is to reconcile all of his children back to himself. Every judgment that's coming upon this earth is not poured out on man. Jesus took that. He was the propitiation once and for all. Read the book of Hebrews. Read the entire chapter of Hebrews 10. Guys, if we want to grow in intimacy... If we want to understand how to live in the realm of the spirit the way the first century apostles did, the way the prophets and the men and women of God did in all different centuries since the beginning of time, we have to embrace the nature of our Father. We have to understand what part we have to play in his eternal reconciliation. To the degree that we don't, we're going to have a twisted, fearful form of a relationship with him that's pretty shallow. There's not much intimacy there. So, I want that to sink in, guys. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. Guys, if we are focusing on wrath, anger, and judgment more than we're focusing on words such as righteousness, justification, sanctification, holiness, blamelessness, propitiation, we're lopsided in where we're getting our teaching. We need to round out. I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to give you guys two pictures of two different children of God in the New Covenant. And I hope this brings... All of you listening to a godly hunger and a godly jealousy, Christian A <clears throat> goes about his day or her day, wakes up, has to engage the world, ask God for strength because that believer is feeling anxiety, uncertainty, fear of what the day will bring. They go about their day and they receive throughout the day through their five senses, taste, touch, sound. Feel, I'm overlapping. Sight. They are receiving all the information from this natural realm. The word carnal means natural. It means earthly. It means um, material. There's spirit, spirit matter and there's carnal matter. And we talk about carnality. It's not talking about sin in and of itself all the time. It's talking about the natural realm. If you're sitting at a desk right now, if you're staring at a computer, if you have something on your headphones, your phone, your radio, that is of the carnal realm. It is... It is natural matter. It is a created matter. God created a natural matter and he created a spiritual matter. So for Christian A, that person receives all of their information through the natural realm, gets passed through their soul, their mind, their will, their belief systems, and that's how they process their walk with God. They go throughout the day dealing with the rejection of man, the fear of God. The uncertainty of today or tomorrow they go to bed they think about how much they prayed or read that day they deal with the condemnation of the enemy or they try to look for something to be encouraged with and that's how many Christians live Christian B wakes up and as he wakes up his day or her day they wake up they open their eyes and as they sit up before they even up in bed They can feel the realm of the spirit, the very fabric of God's love, envelop them. They feel it resonate within their spirit and flowing out into their mind, their will, their emotions, and they're immediately enveloped in the very reality. They can feel the reality of God's unconditional love. They get up, they get dressed, they go about their day, and as they're going about their day, even before they've walked out the door... Holy Spirit is beginning to tell them of, of what's going to happen during their day. Getting in their car, they're getting ready to get a cup of coffee here to gas up. And the Lord says to this brother or sister in the Lord, you're going to go into this gas station, you're going to meet this person. They're thinking about suicide. Here's what you're going to share with them. You're going to tell them about my love. Go into this place over here and, and there's a person that you're going to see And as you go into that store and you go to gas up, the Lord says, that person has a pain in their neck that they lived for for many years. I want you to go over there and ask them if they would be offended if you prayed for them. And after I heal them through you, you're going to share with them the fact that Jesus died for their sins. You go about through work, you face, face the challenges of the work. And as you face the challenges of work, you're relying upon the fact that you feel and believe and perceive how much God loves you, and no matter what happens, you're accepted in the beloved. You feel his love emanating around you. You feel the presence of the angelic host around you. You feel Jesus standing next to you everywhere you go. As you go to the end of the day and you lay down your head on your pillow, the Holy Spirit is already talking to you about how to solve the problems that you are faced at work with work and how you will glorify him by carrying out the wisdom that he gave you. You fall asleep, and as you fall asleep, you have dreams where Jesus is talking to you in your sleep. Or you have a, um, a vision, or you have a picture of something that's on his heart, and you find yourself praying for other people according to what Father wants to show you about a stranger living halfway across the world. You wake up the next day, and you repeat it. None of what I share with you are euphemisms. We are meant to live that way. There's nothing super, quote-unquote, special about that child of God. That's normal Christianity. That's how we're meant to live and interact, where we're more heightened to the realm of the spirit. We're more heightened to the fact that we are spirit beings that have been seated with heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we're on this earth to enjoy great communion the way Adam and Eve had it and lost it, and it was given back by the second Adam, Christ. That's a reality, guys. What happens is, guys, I want you to draw, talking about yielding our soul. How do we get from being Christian A to Christian B? That's the key here. How do we move into experiencing intimacy? For some of us, the reason why I paint that picture is because we don't understand what intimacy means. We don't have any clue what that means. There's certainly not a lot of teaching on it. There's not a lot of exposition in scriptures about it. We don't talk about how closely the apostles and the ordinary men and women of God lived with the Lord. Stephen was, was what they call a deacon. He was a servant. Stephen, first century, right, the first martyr in the New Covenant, was not an apostle, had no special anointing, quote, unquote. But it says when he talked about the Lord, his face shone like the face of an angel. And he was a man who was filled with the Spirit of God, meaning the Spirit of God flowed so strongly through him, it, it was expressed in everything about his day. So I want you guys to draw a picture, uh, with, you know, a pen or a piece of paper or something, if you want demonstrations. Draw a big circle on a piece of paper. Then inside that circle, I want you to draw another smaller circle. And then finally, I want you to draw a third circle. Now, the size of these circles are not, do not significant. significant. Signify, (laughs) not signify importance or greatness. It's just for the purpose of this demonstration. The outer circle is our physical body. The inner, the the middle circle is our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. The smaller circle in the center of it all is our spirit man. Guys, here's what I want you to understand we are spirit beings,
1: we are not our
0: body. We have a body we are not a soul we possess a soul we are spirit romans 8 16 says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children please notice there guys it does not say bears witness or testifies with our soul that we're god's children see guys we get hung up because we tend to live by our mind will and emotion and most of our mind will and emotion is in captive to the lies of Satan. And we're attempting to try to walk in the realm of the Spirit and understand spiritual realities, spiritual things to come through a soul that's in bondage to fear and lies. That's where the confusion in this hour has come from. Holy Spirit tries to speak to us. He speaks to our spirit because we are spirit beings. The Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit that lives in our spirit man. So what happens is Jesus said, there are two things. He said that that whoever receives Christ will never thirst again. Water or wells or cisterns throughout the scripture always signifies the kingdom, the Holy Spirit that gives us life. That's our eternal rest is waters. The Bible says it's like a tree planted beside deep waters. We will have roots, we will receive, we'll never thirst again. There's a difference between the wellspring of life and living rivers. Jesus made mention of two different types of Christians. The Christian that will never thirst, meaning they'll have salvation, and the Christian whom out of their inner belly will flow rivers of life. Whenever the scriptures talk about rivers, it's talking about the power of the kingdom flowing through us. So it's one thing to have the water of life, the Holy Spirit inside our spirit being. It's a very another thing to allow that to flow out of us and transform us. Here's the crux, guys. The healing that needs to take place in the body of Christ isn't in our spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit there. It's in our mind, will, and our emotions. We do not discern what God is doing through our soul. It comes out of our spirit being, where the revelation is. And then what happens is, our mind is the gatekeeper. And our mind either receives and accepts the word of God, the living word, the words of Jesus, the daily bread, based upon his truth and who he is, and a clear understanding of his nature, or we pass it through a perverted form of him through darkened thinking, through fear, condemnation, and shame, through legalism, through a spirit of Pharisee trying to earn his love. And what happens is, is we get pure warty that passes through the rusty pipes of lies, our soul, and we get rust water. Because there's a lot of talk on what God wants to do in this generation. I bear witness to it. I have said for several years how God will begin disciplining in love his children. I've also talked about how God disciplines his children and its love. It is the goodness of God that brings us back to repentance. That goodness is manifested through loving discipline. In the same way, we would lovingly discipline a child if they were going to put their hand on a hot stove or stick their finger in an outlet. We would do the same thing. We have to understand that when God disciplines, it's to reconcile. And anyone who's talking about God's wrath is coming out on this country because this country has rejected him. Guys, It is the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. God will discipline a nation, but the discipline starts through the body of Christ that refuses to talk and live and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to the lost. Wrath is not poured out on a nation. The wrath is poured out on Jesus Christ, who was the propitiation of all times. That's not me, guys. That's Scripture. Read the book of Hebrews. Read Hebrews 10. Read Romans 3:25, 1 John 2:2, 1 John 4:10, Ephesians 1:4, Colossians 1:21, 2 Corinthians 5:21. I'm saying this fast because we have the benefit of the recording. Hebrews 10:10, 1 Corinthians 6:11, Hebrews 5, uh, Ephesians 5:25. Guys, the new covenant is that all wrath has been satisfied. When God comes to judge, He will show increasingly great demonstrations of his power and he will judge sin so that man will repent and it will repent through the body of Christ bringing forth the gospel the good news that the kingdom has been ripped out of Satan's hand and has been restored back to Jesus and we are his ambassadors until we get that guys we're not going to live a life of much victory we're not going to live a life of much peace and joy we're going to be fearful people that continue to rebel and be a rebellious church, rebelling against the heart of God, wanting to reconcile ourselves to him, wanting to share the reconciliation with the lost. We're the living church. We are the light and the, and the lamp and the oil to this nation, to the lost in this nation. A person who's not redeemed is incapable of discerning the things of the spirit. The scriptures say that. It says that that those that do not have the Holy Spirit cannot receive the things of the Spirit. It's enmity to him. It's hatred to him. Romans 8, 7 says that. The carnal mind is hostile and cannot submit to the things of God. They need to receive the Holy Spirit. need to hear the good news. Is God moving forth to do that? Yes. Yes, he's beginning to humble the body of Christ. I've been saying for uh, over a year now there's a transference of wealth, that that the the body of Christ that have been digging into their identity, that have received, uh, understand and want to walk in his goodness and want to let him change the areas where we're rebelling against his truth, that we're allowing him to transform us as we spend time in his presence. Authority is being transferred and being placed in the hands of the body of Christ that will be ambassadors of Jesus Christ to the lost. In the same way the first century was, we were meant to do even greater works in these end times before his return. So God's loving hand of discipline will continue to press down in order to get the junk and the lies out. That comes before his return, because he's coming for a church that is prepared to bring a great end times harvest in before his return. And the way we cooperate that is by taking our soul, and when we spend time with the Lord, we begin asking him, Lord, what areas of my thinking are out of alignment with the fact that you say you love me unconditionally? Then, as we embrace his love, we begin receiving it and confessing it. We'll actually start to begin to feel it. What's happening? Guys, what's happening is the process of Romans 12.2 and 2 Corinthians 10.5, In 2 Peter 1.19, it says our soul must take place. Our soul must make the transformation. Proverbs 23.7 says, for as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Guys, the battle takes place in our soul. The enemy only can do what we allow him to do, cooperate with him. The enemy is allowed to have free reign to the lost and those people that are in bondage because the church does not walk in her authority. See, we don't hear, we're not talking a lot about that, guys. We just want to talk about how God's coming to judge the world. We're not talking about where the church is out of alignment with his heart because that would require us to make some heartfelt changes and us to repent. When we hear about how we have to repent, we're talking about external things, repent of, of smoking, repent of cursing, repent of... Uh, I don't know, these external things. God says he wants your heart. When he has our heart, guys, when we have a revelation of his goodness, the things that we struggle with will become less and less appealing because it's his goodness. It's the release of his power that transforms us. And the process of greater intimacy means that when he speaks to us, it comes to our soul. We have to say, well, you know, am I passing this through anger? Am I passing this through judgment? I was listening to, you know, someone passed me along, well, what do you think of this prophetic word? And talked about the judgment and the wrath on the nation. It's like the person just opened up one of the mosaic prophecies or opened up, you know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel just started talking about wrath, God's anger, God's wrath. Guys, if we're going to talk about God's wrath on people, Means we have rejected, we have blasphemed the work of the new covenant. That's not my words, God. That's scripture. Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead and dwells in you. That's scripture. That's the new covenant. No other covenant can say that. We've been reconciled and are holy, and now we're meant to do the things that Jesus did, which is preach the gospel. We can't preach what we don't believe and don't perceive. And Jesus said, well, we we walk by faith. uh, People say we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, Guys, Jesus walked by faith. He walked by belief that he knew who he was as God's son. He didn't walk by his physical sight. He walked by spiritual sight. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. So that would be in contradiction, right? If we said we walk by faith and not by sight, well, Jesus walked by sight. See, we don't understand that scripture, we misquote it, is we walk by our spiritual sight. And what happens is, is, as we get a picture of what God wants to do, it's passing through a hurt, broken, condemned soul that never received the love of God into our soul. We've only let it, kept it locked up in our spirit where the Holy Spirit lives. God is, guys, guys brothers and sisters, God is bringing all that to an end. He is searching the earth, roaming to and fro, back and forth to see who in the body of Christ will begin to allow him to change their thinking and conform to his image from the inside out. It's our soul that needs renewing. So here's how we do this, guys. Here's how we do this. We have to ask ourselves, What we have to ask ourselves, guys, what we have to really understand is is self-examination. When we're doing something, we're praying, we're reading, we focus on our sin, which Jesus says that their sins and their lawlessness, I'll remember no more. So if he doesn't remember them, why are you remembering them? Why are you recalling them to God? Why do we spend more time crying and weeping over what he did when he says, I've forgiven you? He doesn't want to talk to you about your sin. He wants to talk to you about how much he loves you. And as he talks to you about how much he loves you, guess what's going to come to the surface? The Holy Spirit will begin motivating you. Hey, David, this area that you struggle with, this isn't who you are. This is hindering so much of your ability to feel my love and experience my goodness and and experience your spiritual senses from being heightened. It's dulling your spiritual senses because you're feeding your carnal senses. Why don't you give this up? Why don't you ask me permission to to take this desire from you? Because that's how we turn from sin. As we get into his presence, the goodness of God will offer us the opportunity to change our thinking. That's what transforms us. We get transformed by spending time in his presence. We don't try to transform and then think we can earn his presence. That's backwards. That's the spirit of Pharisee
1: spirit of antichrist
0: denies the power of the gospel that's already inside of us so are there things coming upon this nation yeah there are guys and and i say yes and amen they're good because they are meant to purify our hearts they're meant to wake us and shake us from the lies that we believe about god and about the church about our brothers and sisters and about the lost When we start hearing about the things to come and we hear this wrath and anger, the conduit, the conduit is filled with rust until we're getting rust water. We need to embrace and say yes and amen to what he wants to do in us because it's his loving discipline, his loving correction that releases greater intimacy within us. Guys, normal Christianity, a walk, is when we're doing things, we have to ask ourselves, we examine ourselves to see. 2 Corinthians 3.15 says examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. We like to talk about salvation, right? Everything is fear, fear, fear. Well, am I really saved? That's not at all what Paul's talking about. He's talking to believers, talking to the the church that gathered at the city of Corinth. The word faith means believe, to believe saying, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the belief. Test yourselves. Guys, we are to test every area of our thinking to see if our beliefs, our faith, matches the faith, the belief of God's word. Are we motivated by God's love flowing through us or fear? Are we, do we desire spiritual interactions to try to validate, make him prove he loves us? Or is it an expression of our intimacy? Jesus says, You will do even greater works than these because I go to the Father. Where are the greater works in the church today? As where are the greater works? It flows from intimacy. Will I be more pleasing to certain others? Am I looking for validation from others? Will I be more pleasing to God if I do some of these things? If I pray more, read more? Or for believing that, we are not accepting that He loves us fully. Guys, he doesn't love our sin. He doesn't love sin, the actions that violate his nature, but he loves us. Until we make that distinction, our souls are resisting. We haven't repented of lies. And he's calling the church to repent of the lies of our thinking. Then the actions will naturally change. Guys, we do. We perform based upon what we believe. If I am afraid God won't love me as much, if I don't act well, then I'm going to try to act well. Motivation, fear. If I read my Bible more because I'm afraid if I don't, it makes me a bad child of God, I'll read my Bible more out of fear. But if I read the word of God because I say, Lord, I want fresh revelation of your love. I want to walk in the gift of healing. I want to lay hands on strangers and have a word of knowledge for them because I I love as you and I feel your love for your lost children. I feel your love for the brother and sister that is in bondage to sin, that needs deliverance, needs a revelation of your goodness. Lord, let me be that person. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Guys, this is where we examine ourselves to see where our soul is in rebellion against God. Discipline begins with the house of God first. And guys, even when we said that, discipline, my goodness, I mean, as we go throughout our day, God's not looking to discipline us. He's looking to get our attention. He's looking to commune with us. So the transition we make, guys, is begin to examine what motivates us. Guys, I'm not kidding. If we are not getting up, starting our day, and we cannot, our spirit man, which houses the spirit of the living God that raised Jesus, that divided the waters, That have water come out of a rock that stood before the Jews in a pillar of uh, of fire and a cloud that licked up the water when a man of God was willing to stand up against false prophets to show them the Lord, he is God. As you remember, when Elijah stood against the 400 prophets of Baal and fire came down, what did the nation of Israel say? The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. One man stepping out in faith caused an entire nation to turn back to repent and receive God as their true Redeemer once again. Guys, there's not a lot of people in the body of Christ where they read that and that's what they see. So have to change our thinking. The invitation has gone forth. Guys, we should feel, we should feel, perceive in our spirit and should radiate out into our mind into our emotions, the love of God. A lot of times, with many of you, I've seen it. I've seen it. We get into communion. God starts to talk to us about how much he loves us. We begin feeling his love emanating within our spirit. And as it vibrates out, as the spirit realm expands out, the same spirit that shook the foundations of the building when the apostles prayed when they were being persecuted, That same shaking goes on inside of our spirit, man. Our mind begins to go to shame and condemnation in our sin. And we reject his love. And many of us are crying out, Lord, I want to feel your love. But we're rejecting it when he's trying to reveal his goodness. And we turn to listening to things that just distract us from our own shame and condemnation. Guys, the spirit of Pharisee is rampant in the church. The spirit of legalism the, the self-righteous, self-seeking, looking for approval and God's love is rampant in the body of Christ in this town. We don't even realize it. The Pharisees said they were better than their forefathers because they didn't worship Satan. The Pharisees of the body of Christ in this generation says, we're better than those that are playing church in the institutional system. We're better than them. We've come out. We won't ever worship these idol, idolatry and the Satanism in the church. And we've become the millennial Pharisees of this generation. And God is calling forth those that will hear the message of his word and say, come out. Be the next generation of John the Baptist. Be the next generation of apostles and Stephens and Pauls, Timothys and Silas's, That are willing to live in great intimacy and will be, take part of the great harvest that is coming before my return. When he will judge And he will ultimately judge sin once and for all. But man has already been judged of sin in Jesus. When we die, we don't receive it. We receive the judgment of sin because sin hasn't been removed from us. When God comes back and judges sin, those that have not received righteousness will come under the sin that they're clothed in. That is not God's intention. Now, I know for many of us, we're just going to reject that. I've already seen it. It's the great love that's has cold that Jesus prophesied in the end times. He said the love of many will go cold. Only the love of God has been shed abroad in the hearts of the church. Only the church has the love of God. And the love of God has grown cold. We've, we've shut it out of our souls. And it lies trapped in our spirit, man. There's a dull flicker. We don't let it out. We don't let it express it. Guys, with all my heart, I'm in labor and birth pains for Christ to be revealed in the church. And the call has gone forth in this hour for those of you that want to begin seeking what it looks like to live a life the way a child of God has been invited to live it. Guys, when I, I at any point during the day, I can feel God's love emanating all throughout me. I am not a super spiritual, something special Christian at all. I have my own struggles. My lack of struggles does not negate me from feeling his love. It's in it. I just choose to receive it, and I let my soul bask in it. Guys, that's just a start. We are all meant to express that. It's his goodness, Romans 2. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, not knowing it is his goodness that leads man to change? Not me, guys. The word of God. So in closing, for those of you that want to feel his love, for those of you that want to to actually walk as spirit beings, that want to have angelic interactions, not to validate We can do everything with the wrong motives. We can do everything with the wrong motives. The Bible is filled with angelic interactions. They didn't do it to validate their identity. If we're trying to find worth in spiritual interactions, we're going to get off into messes. It's going to take time, and God will clean us up because the Holy Spirit is just that big. I don't fear demons. They fear me. They should fear every child of God. Read the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, right? Would the demons say, Jesus I know and Paul I'm familiar with, but who are you? Right? The demons knew who to be afraid of. Who are they afraid of? They're afraid of a child of God that knows what it is to be a child of God, that the kingdom lives in them. It's nothing special. It's not. God, pride is to seek self-worth apart from the gift of righteousness. To say that we feel God's love all the time, to say that we speak with angels or have conversations with Jesus or he speaks with, that's not pride. It's the motive of our identity that makes it pride or humility. Pride is to find self-worth apart from the gift of righteousness. Guys, we have no worth apart from his gift. There is nothing in me that makes me special other than that God said I am his son. It's the same with every one of us. We either receive it or we reject it. So I say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive his love into your souls. Begin to meditate on his goodness. What's going to kick up is all the lies. Satan's going to be right there to twist scripture and to try to speak lies, but he can only agree with what we give him permission to. It's the only place he has a place to attack us. Don't give him a foothold, guys. So that concludes about, you know, deeper communion series, yielding our soul. And what that means, guys, we are just on the tip of the iceberg of how to walk in great power and intimacy. It's normal Christianity. It is your birthright. Receive your birthright, guys, and know that you are loved and a revelation of his love will deliver us from the areas where we struggle in sin. It is a revelation of his goodness and his love that delivers us from the powers of bondage. So that's it for tonight. I want to thank you for all tuning in. I pray this is a blessing to a remnant. I pray that to a remnant of listeners, I pray that it's all, but there would be some that would hear this and run with it. And uh, Dorothy, anything to add before we close out for tonight? Uh, no, I was just thinking it went in the beginning of the teaching that, you know, we all kind of want intimacy, but it's hard to be intimate with someone who, who you think is ready to beat you up. Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah, it can't happen. So if you don't accept, if you don't accept his love, then I don't know how you could become intimate with him. Well, what, what's happened is we've chosen to relate to God the way we relate to dysfunctional relationships, abusive pastors and, and teachers, and and. Um, spouses and significant others, we tend to form our belief based upon what we can see. And we form our spiritual beliefs based upon the physical experiences. And it's meant to be the other way around. The spirit realm, guys, is meant to rewire the way we process this realm. And that takes work. And so we can either tune in to more fear and, and more condemnation and and, you know, try to change ourselves or we can let his love pour through us and begin to feel and experience his love and the gifts of the spirit and and begin having fun in this realm. Uh, You know, I've got brothers and sisters that are very dear to me that are in persecuted nations and um, they talk about the joy that they have in the midst of the persecution because they walk in the spirit. They walk in the realm. They... they, they (laughs) They interact with the angelic realm. They interact with Jesus regularly. It's, it's not even, it's just commonplace. The church in the U.S. Has, has, has been given over to delusional spirits and self-righteousness and the spirit of Pharisee. And God in his love is just saying, okay, guys, it's time, to, it's time to let this go. This isn't who you are. That's not your identity. Come pick up your true self. Get out of the gutter. Start picking up your crown, your scepter, and my signet ring. Put it on you. Prodigal son, guys, read the prodigal son. He's calling us back to his heart. So thank you for that, Dorothy. You're absolutely right. And I wanted to keep this uh, under half hour, run a little bit over, so I'm going to say good night. God bless you guys. I love you. I pray for you all regularly, more than you'll ever know. I'm constantly interceding for the body of Christ to pick up her identity and, and walk in great intimacy. So I pray this ministers to some people, and we're going to continue to, to keep Digging into these things and digging into how to take the scriptures and actually apply them to our walk with, with, with our Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Dorothy, good night. Have a wonderful evening. Brothers and sisters, I love you with all my heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be blessed. Know that you're loved. Seek to experience and feel the reality of his love. Let it emanate out of your spirit, man, to renew your mind. God bless and have a great night. Dorothy. We'll see you soon. I'll speak to you soon. You have a blessed night. You too. Father bless everyone. This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's d-w-m-u-r-r-y dot for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deeply. <laughs>